You're listening to Brandon Butter, a straight talking, occasionally in your face, no BS branding podcast for modern marketers and business owners. Here for those who want to understand the influence and power of branding and how pairing association, consumer behavior, and design thinking can impact what people see, think, and feel. I'm your host, Tara Ladd, the sometimes funny, sometimes vulnerable, and often unapologetically blunt founder and creative director of brand and design agency, your one and only. Hello, welcome back. This week, we are talking about belief systems in brand. So what does that mean, I hear you ask? So much. So as consumers, we will always have some kind of internal motivator that will align us to a brand. Sometimes, maybe not, but most of the time on a big purchase, there needs to be some kind of system in place that will allow us to you know, make that final decision. When it comes to big purchases, let's talk about banks. So if you're about to buy a house, I mean, most people are ruled out these days, but if you're about to buy a house, the thing that you would look at would be the banks that will be lending the money. Now, in case you haven't noticed any banking ad, They always show families, they show uh, how they're loyal to their customers, and they bring this really big glorified message of in it together. We all saw it during COVID, everyone released this message. But all of these are strategic and tactical ways that brands put messages out there consistently so that it plays on your mind that this is what they're about. This is your belief system that you now think that they are that kind of brand. Now, give or take, if you've ever used a bank, most people have bad experiences with them. But when you do have a good one, it's very memorable, that's for sure. But most things, when it comes to investing our money, we need to feel that whatever they're communicating to us is real. And your belief system means that you are aligning with a brand that aligns with your values. So again, like I mentioned last week, uh, and if you're new around here, be sure to check back in. We spoke about uh, thank you water uh, and the ability to buy into a brand that is also giving back. So as a consumer, especially being socially conscious, you would be more inclined to choose a product like that to invest your money into because you believe they're doing better for the environment. You believe they're doing better for for the world. And by association, that makes you feel like a better person. So belief systems are actually quite deep and they form within our, I guess, you know, within our unconscious mind. So when we make decisions, 90% of the time, those decisions don't come from our, our conscious mind. They come from an unconscious place. So, and our unconscious place is built up from years and years and years and years of experiences and, you know, uh, you know, I guess messages that have been sent to us where we store these information, we store this information so that we can make decisions. We know that if you touch a hot plate, it's hot don't do it again. 
We don't consciously think about that. We just know that. You know, we breathe. We don't need to think about breathing. We just breathe. So all of this stuff our brain tells us to do is is actually really interesting. Our belief systems are, are very, are very much, well, the key role in how we purchase things. Now, in case you haven't noticed, which, I mean, who hasn't, everything in the world is very political these days. And everyone is choosing how to align their messaging. Inclusivity is a huge topic at the moment. And one Australian brand I think that's doing this really well is Bonds. And, you know, they will obviously have people that don't agree with the messaging because of internal motivators, but this is a perfect example. So how you are brought up and the things that you have been exposed to as a person, your social construct, your uh, your your value on things all come from so many different places. And it's so important to understand that, that you can make decisions based off those things without even knowing. So when we talk to people, a great example at the moment is about gun control in America. And while this isn't a brand, this is a, a politically motivated message and everyone in Australia or, you know, countries that, that have hard gun control um, look at the US and go, what's going on over there? Because most of the people in Australia now have grown up or are living in an environment where that just doesn't exist, right? Guns just are non-existent. So it's a bit weird to see a country so adamant to keep their guns. However, as Americans, that is their culture. So when you're saying to them, and while I am absolutely for gun control, please do not take me out of context here, um, you will see how defensive they get when you talk about taking away their guns. And that isn't just because you're taking away their guns. That's because you're challenging a whole social construct and a whole part of their identity of who they have been growing up, you know memories and systems and structures that have been founded and build their identity are being threatened to be taken away. Now, I know that this sounds really bizarre, but if you're talking about, uh, you know, someone that lives on a ranch in mid-state Texas, you know, they're probably used to taking their guns out the back with their friends and shooting cans down off the fence or, I don't know, whatever they choose to do with their guns. But they're probably key memories where they've maybe had with their friends and they were doing that thing with their friends and that associates that memory with that. So you're kind of um, challenging that for them. Like you're taking away everything that we're not. Like it feels like you're taking away those things from the person. This is why politics is so emotional. And it's not because um, this I love to people watch. This is why I'm getting right into human behavior. And uh, I don't know if you heard recently, I'm, I'm studying a psychological science degree because I'm loving neuroscience and the way that our brains work and the way that we make decisions. And it's so important to know why people think the way that they do. And you hear people spew out buying motivations all the time. This is a buying motivation. So, you know, it, it it's also how people listen to music, right? 
You might think that a song's shit, but someone may absolutely love a song. Now, given it could just be simply that they like the song, but it also could be could be because they um, really love the song for what it stands for or what it reminds them of. You know, you hear people say, oh, this reminds me of my wedding. It was our first dance song. Or uh, this, I know that I cannot listen to Casey Chambers' True Colors because it reminds me of my friend's funeral that I went to when I was 16 years old. And um, although, you know, it's not a traumatizing thing for me, it's just a memory that I don't like to you know, remember. So there's lots of things that can trigger, again, sensory sensory cues that enable that emotional connection in the brain. And that's why it's so hard to create customer personas because everyone is different. Personas are great to kind of align to specific, really wide demographic audiences. So, you know, um, but even then, we're this is where a niche is so important because the more that you know about a niche, the more you can nail down and knuckle down into finding out, you know, what it is that truly makes them tick. So as you go, you'll start off, and this is why I would highly recommend always coming back and visiting your target market personas because what it comes down to is that there will be a key demographic that you will be talking to and will be purchasing from you. And when you figure that out is when you start curating messages for them. Who cares about everyone else unless you're tackling a new market? You create messages for those people because they will generate your revenue. And all you should do is all the time be watching and listening and learning and watching, listening, learning. What are they asking for? How are they spending their money? If you get two clients or two customers that spend a shite ton of money with your business versus 50 that spend a small amount, you're going to want to know what makes those those people tick, what makes them buy, because you're going to be able to make a sale off those people that will accumulate almost the same value as half of those other people, if not more. So, or, and repeat clients. So it's so important. And that mean, that doesn't mean to alienate that smaller amount. Um, that means that they may be in the entering stages of how they buy from your brand. Some people do a small investment first just to see if you're worth it. And then they kind of spend more and spend more. But as you go along, you, you'll start to realize that there will be a, a, some, this is why people have multiple sonas. You'll start to realize that there is a key demographic bringing in your revenue. And that's where you need to start to talk about them. And all of these personas contain belief systems. So when you're talking about uh, an audience that go from, um, you know, Mercedes to Toyota, I always use this as an example, but there is there is obviously status involved in Mercedes and with Toyota, there's affordability. So there's a luxury item. So anyone that drives around in a Mercedes, it's not just because they value the brand, it's because it's a status thing. And that status thing may represent something so deeply personal. That could be something that, I don't know, it could be a social construct. It's been, there's studies in the neuroscience course that I did that actually said that people that bought like higher luxury items to show people that they have these high luxury items was, it showed that they were actually highly depressed or, or a misfit and they were using these things to, you know, 
become socially accepted. So even though they're probably financially way above everyone on the pecking order, they're still battling these internal, you know, motivators that make them not feel included. So there's all of these, I mean, and that's not saying everyone that owns a Mercedes. I don't know if you're sitting at home and you own a Mercedes, you're like, that's not me. Okay. Like I said, everyone is different. But there's other reasons. I know people that have bought Mercedes, a Mercedes, um, you know, for themselves recently and, it was an, a reward for the bloody hard work that they did. And to be honest, that would be a reason that I would buy a luxury brand car. It's not in my mindset to do something like that, but it there is so much attached to that badge. You know, if there was the same exact car stripped out with a Toyota badge on the front, I can guarantee you that people would not feel the same way about it. The Mercedes brands holds a status that the Toyota brand does not. This is why Lexus was created. And if you don't know, Lexus is a spin-off of Toyota. It is to attract a higher-end market because Toyota hold that affordable family, um, you know, social status um, within their brand. So that's the messaging and association they hold. So let's move into that for a second. People know that Toyota are reliable. They know that they're a high-end brand. They do promote themselves as family. So you will see very different ads come from both of these brands. From a Toyota, you will see uh, families running. They're jumping in the air, but they're usually, uh, you know, uh, probably um, one or two kid family, probably more to be completely honest, but they've got kids. They're a family. They've got children. Uh, they're very much in that bracket of needing to cut down on their spending on a car. They're not going to go buy a Mercedes unless they're earning good money, which puts them in a completely different bracket. But you're looking at that family affordability is where Toyota's at. Whereas if you see a uh, a Mercedes uh, with a whole family in it, you're going to know that they're holding a specific structure. They they deliberately buy those cars because they're, well, they either can um, or there is a social construct, you know, around that of, of where they want to sit in terms of status, the way people buy clothes, the way people um, dress is so highly connected to um, to how someone is feeling and wants to be represented. So, this is where brands can really come into that. So you've got brands like Doc Martens. Um, they are a very specific target market and they know their target market and they know their target market well. And uh, you've got, you know, Nike. So we're talking about them being and, you know, when people feel that they buy these brands and wear these brands, they feel like they are attaching that assimilation uh, and that association, I should say, to the brand um, purely by putting on these clothes. So if someone sees me in my Nike gear, I'm going to look like an athlete because that's essentially what their whole driven purpose is, is that if you have a body, you're an athlete. So, you know, understanding what the consumer wants enables you to tap into a motivation that will give you that advantage. And most of that comes naturally, if we're being completely honest. Nothing is really like, you know, dirty or sinister. But when you know what people want and you're offering something that does that, it's just easier to talk about that in the marketing so that they know that you're there for them. And 
When you're true to your purpose, that is when you will know that your people will come to you. You hear this messaging over and over and over again. It's because it just happens. The problem is if that doesn't feel right for you, that that something's not right. We, we, you're not doing it well. And that doesn't mean that you you haven't hit how you should be doing it. It just means that you need to change the way that you do it. It could be a tweak in your copy. Most of the time it's always copy. I'll let, let me be completely honest. Most of the time it's copy. Um, I think people feel that they can write and it's not like design, design's a little bit more technical, but everyone thinks that they can write when they actually can't. There is a specific and descriptive way to write marketing and advertising copy. Um, it's not just being able to pick up a pen and write a sentence. It's being able to write a sentence that is sales-driven and intentional and has purpose and action and sparks someone to want to do something. And that is a specific set of skills that I've actually, I've got my three, um, you know, people that I call, call on all the time. And um, it's so important to have that connection because, again, designers and copywriters need a connection in order to create that real authentic, um, I guess, unison uh, communication message. Um, unified is what I should have said there. So when I have a really good idea visually, I know that my girls that I work with are going to be able to execute that through copy in the exact same tone that I intend. And sometimes that's hard to find, which is why advertising agencies have teams of copywriters and art directors to work together to create that cohesive message. So when you, and this doesn't have to be a big glorified idea. I know you're probably sitting there thinking if you've just started out, Hell, you could be in business for 10 years and still not know this. But if you're if you're sitting there going, oh, my God, I'm not a big brand. I just don't get this stuff. It doesn't have to be anything massive. It could be that you're selling to mums, right? Let's use mums as an example because I am one and I know I can talk about this. Um, the fact is if you have a hand cream, right, and the hand cream can technically serve a wide demographic, what you could do is if you're talking to um, – or it could be face cream. Let's just use face cream. It's much easier to talk about. If you're trying to sell a face cream and you're talking to an audience that, you know, it could it could be applicable to everyone, you're going to use you're going to use <laughs> the words that are going to connect deeply with the people within that demographic. So you could say, uh, are you sick of putting yourself last? Put yourself first and give yourself this beautiful face wash and make yourself feel clean, fresh, and uh, ready to hit the day running. Like that message would would so align, and that was just such a shitty way of saying it, but you know what I mean. You would you would target the audience with a motivation that is centric to what they're dealing with in that moment of their life. And also, it's also important to note that. Consumers change, and I speak about this on our Instagram page recently with the demise of Jenny Craig. And the demise of Jenny Craig means that they just aren't aligned to the audience that are out there at the moment. So it's important to see who your audience is and know how to talk to them so you can create the messages that still appeal to them. Because what's happened is Jenny Craig got old hat and no one wanted it anymore, whereas Weight Watchers have managed to evolve. Um, very interesting take on that. Uh, so go and have a look if you want to have, if you want to know more about that story, but it's just purely understanding what motivates your customers. Um, and that's why narrowing down and narrowing down, narrowing down 
on what they're asking and what they're saying and what they're doing is important because it helps you to understand what their key issues are. And this is where you'll hear people talk about, um, you know, find what what um, what their pain points are. These are pain points. The pain points are what motivates them to to be, to buy. What are they having problems with? How can you solve that problem? And it could be that they just want a good night's sleep and um, feel crappy in the morning when they wake up because they're not getting it. And you could help them by saying, you know, we're not a good night's sleep, but we're the next best thing. You know, it's things like that. So when you are thinking about putting your brand out there, know that there is 100% a market for you. You just need to figure out what it is that makes them tick what they believe in, and align how you speak to them with that messaging. It's like I use an example of how my husband and I, very different purchases, but I value Uber Eats a lot more than he does. And that's pretty much because I'm a mother with a mental load. So I am happily, I am happy to spend another $10 (laughs) on a delivery fee if it means that it saves me time at home. Whereas my husband can't justify that and he just would not spend that. So again, we're very different people with very different things on our plates. So it's understanding the market, it's understanding your people, and it's just ongoing research. It's not something that you can just figure out. Like it's it's taken you on and only even till six years to figure out. Like we thought we knew it, we had it, then we got that client. We're like, mm, do not want this anymore? So now we've changed the way that we're doing things so that we can attract the right people. So Just know that you put things out, you test and you test and you test, and the only way that you're going to know is by putting things out, putting things out that aren't ready, putting things out that you don't feel comfortable with, and just seeing how they hit with your audience. And you will know that one day something will grab and you'll be like, ah, that's what it was. And the problem with most of us, and I put my hand up here literally uh, to say that I am guilty, is that I just assume that I feel like sometimes people know what they want and then I do it and it's not. And so I try to perfect this message and perfect it and perfect it. And I've wasted all this time perfecting a message that actually was the wrong one. So it's just about putting things out, testing it, figuring out what hits, finding out what motivates people and understanding that their belief system is something that you can't see. Hell, it's something that they don't even know is there and figuring out how to work that to your advantage. So I hope you liked a little bit of that. It's a little bit of psychology in there, which is cool. Um, We'll be rolling out some of that stuff as we go forward. Uh, Again, hit me up on Instagram at only underscore au if you want to chat it out. Aside from that, hit up the website. Lots of cool blogs going out over there. And don't forget to sign up to our email list because there's some really, really, really cool stuff that we're pushing out. And I wouldn't want you to miss out on that. Did you like that episode? I hope so. Because if you did, Why don't you head over to whatever platform you listen on and rate and review. It's much appreciated and helps others know what we're about. If you want to follow us, you can find us at your one and only underscore au on Instagram or head to www.youwanandonly.com.au.